Hey guys, so um, it is a beautiful Saturday morning and I'm on my deck. I've got plants around me. It's uh, beautiful fall weather and it's one of those times when you just really touch nature and you touch God and when I have these moments which I don't always get to have um, where it's quiet and it's not a lot of traffic and the sun's just shining so perfectly and everything is green and you just see God everywhere. I mean, I'm going to turn my camera around so you guys can see. This is just our deck. I had stuff on the table there for some hornet spray, but um, we've got our tomato plants over there, sunflowers, the chickens over there. Um, everything is just green and uh, that's our elderberry plant back there. Um, and I'm just out here and it's beautiful you guys see the other side of my house and I'm listening to God and I'm having this uh, God type morning and I'm reading in my uh, founder's Bible you guys can get one you can use um, a promo code if you want to it just saves you money uh, 20% uh, promo code resistance chicks at uh, the founder's Bible because I want everybody to, to get one. It's amazing what you can glean from this uh, the commentary in this Bible. Hey, I miss seeing you on Rav 2. We miss being there. We really do. So it's nice to be here in the morning, Ken. I, uh, I'm in Deuteronomy. <laughs> you know, I've read the Bible through several times. And this time, I don't know what it is about it this time, I'm getting the fire. Like, I am so fired up. I want everybody, please go and start from Genesis and read to Deuteronomy. If you can't get there, just read Deuteronomy. Why? Because it's literally this amazing formula to getting our country back. And our founding fathers knew it. And I want to read a couple passages from the Founders Bible about um if, about like what our founding fathers understood on how to set up a government so when we're reading Deuteronomy it seems like we're just reading a bunch of what God is it's kind of Moses is repeating everything that he taught them he's repeating the history of how God led them out of Israel and he's repeating like the commandments but in a way that it's not the law it's more about the heart for example um you shall therefore love the lord your god and always keep his charge his statutes his ordinances and his commandments that is deuteronomy 11 1. and i was reading the founder's bible and you know the number one source of any book that our founding fathers quoted was the bible and the number one Old Testament book that they quoted from was Deuteronomy. And a lot of Christians, they just read the New Testament. And if you don't understand, if you're not reading the Bible from cover to cover, that's three quarters of the Bible that you're missing out on. And the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And I would say basic instructions before starting a government, <laughs> right? And that's what our founding fathers, they, they had these passages ingrained in them. And they understood that keeping God's commandments 
was essential to having God's blessings, but that we could have God's blessings. And we could have God's blessings on this land. And they did. And was it perfect? I know there's always the caveat. Because Can you just forgive me for one moment if I don't caveat everything today? If we can just recognize that America is the greatest country in the entire world ever in the history of the entire world. And that it was based upon the principles of the Word of God. And that we were forming a more perfect union. And now we're, a, we're it's not even a more, a, a more perfect union. It's a less perfect union. We've got perversion everywhere. Kids are cutting off their body parts. Marriages are just, are destroyed. And why is it? This is not... Our, our instruction manual anymore. If you make, if the founding fathers made this the, the main textbook of the of schools, the, the, this was the main textbook. Did you know that the very first um, kind of schooling law in America was called the Old Diluters Satan Act? And it was in the 1600s. And anybody know why? Because they had just come out of um, a place a time where the Bible was not in their own language and they couldn't read. And the first settlers who came to America wanted to make sure that everybody could read the Bible and have the Bible in their own language so that tyrants wouldn't use the Bible to control them. Well, Christians got the Bible in their own language and they set up the most amazing government known to mankind ever. And then what happened? Well, the devil changed his tactics instead of because now you've got the Bible. And now you've got it in your in, in your language. Everybody, you know, was following the Bible or following God. Ever since 300 A.D., Western civilization was based on Christianity, and evil people took Christianity, right, and used it and twisted it. Didn't put the Bible in people's language, and controlled people. Okay, so Martin Luther comes out. He puts the Bible in in German. You got William Tinsale. Uh, then you get the Gutenberg Bible Press and or printing press and it prints the bible and suddenly in the 1500s you get the bible in english a common land a common common language you know english is like a really rough language we speak a very rough language it was the common language um we don't even speak the good king's english we're just all like we're all a bunch of commoners in our speaking english so these common people get the bible in their own language and they realize that there's no king but jesus and they start to hold services like the pilgrims by themselves. And England says, you can't do that. They actually made a law so that two people couldn't get together and talk about God. Because it was called the Sedition Act. Because you might be trying to overthrow the government if you understood what was in here. If you started talking about God together. The Sedition Act. And that's what the pilgrims were arrested on, was the Sedition Act. That's why they fleed to Holland and then got on a boat and came to America. So Christians wanted to make sure that every child could learn to read the Bible so that no one could use the Bible to control or manipulate them. And we set up the, and they set up several different states that were basically little kind of countries. And they had their own rules and they had their own laws and it was all based upon the word of God. And then they got together and they created a union, right? It's very hard, very difficult to do, but they did it and they did it. Because they were all, every single state had this, had the Bible as their main textbook for kids, as their main guidebook for life, okay? And to, to get where we are today, to where we played on our show last night, 
a woman who wanted to pray at a school board meeting, but the, one of the school board members wouldn't let her pray. And so the whole room, they, they say, no, you can't pray. She's like, can I just pray real quick? And they're like, no, you can't pray. It's a good, I'm going to get with my lawyer. I'm going to see if I can. Are you kidding me? Like, remember the Constitution, the Supreme Court is supposed to decide laws based on original intent of the Constitution. So any anything that would be against the original intent of the Founding Fathers and how they were writing the Constitution is unconstitutional. So, of course, you can pray at a school board meeting. They would encourage it. Would, would, would... <laughs> Imagine John Adams saying, no, you can't pray at this school board meeting when they literally prayed before they um, wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence. <laughs> like, are you stinking kidding me? You had George Watt, you had um, Benjamin Franklin, they were, when they were writing the Constitution, they were arguing back and forth because they were trying to create like this government, right? And write down like, how, okay, how many senators do we have? How many House of Representatives do we have? How do we do these, all these intricate, like normal things in life? And they were going back and forth, and they were like siblings arguing. And Benjamin Franklin actually petitioned George Washington, who was leader of the Congress at the time and leader of the government. And he said, hey, I think we, you know, when we were doing this whole revolution thing, we prayed all the time. Can we, uh, he literally made an official, I, ha I have it somewhere written down, the official writing. And they actually voted upon it. Like, can we pray? Um and actually they did pray. They actually got together at a church and they, you know, they prayed and they prayed to the first continental Congress. They were like, Hey, I think we need God in this. So they bring in a, bring in a preacher. And they're all very stark, different kind of denominations. Um, it was Samuel Adams who said, I'm no bigot. Just bring in a preacher, man. I know this guy, Reverend Duche, bring this guy in. He's kind of cool. I like him. Episcopalian. Bring him in. And he reads, uh, what is it? Psalm 35. Plead my cause, O Lord. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler. The pit that my enemy has dug, may they fall therein. Okay, so what happened at the school board meeting is they all broke out. Like everybody in the, uh, like the, the audience or whatever you call it, all the citizens broke out in the Lord's Prayer. And the guy at the front, the school board meeting guy was like, Sheriff, can you get these people out of here? Can you just stop? We're going to take a recess. Like, stopped a spontaneous Lord's Prayer of everybody in the room. Like, that is unconstitutional. Okay, we are a Christian nation. Don't let anybody tell you anything different because guess what? <laughs> if we're not a Christian nation, we are sunk. This ship is going down. There are way too many holes. There are already too many holes. If the only patches for this ship before it sinks all the way to the bottom of the ocean like the Titanic. Okay, let me tell you something about that. Was the Titanic, did it sink naturally or was it planned? Because I'm telling you something. Y'all know that we're, we go over conspiracy theories and I believe the Titanic it was a planned crash. And I think with America, it's a planned crash. I don't think that this, I think that this nation was built solid and there's no reason for us to be lollygagging around here, twirling our thumbs, waiting for Jesus to pop us out of here when we have some simple instructions on how to get our country back. Such a sad world where there was separation of church and school and prayers are denied. Yes, Stephen. Let me tell you something. That's not what our founding fathers believed. They had a secret code. That's what I felt like the Lord told me. He says, well, yeah, you know this is a secret code. It's not so secret. It's right there in the Bible. It's right, and, and I'll tell you what, why it's been 
what has happened is instead of not instead of the powers that be the satanic powers that be keeping people blinded from actually reading the bible the devil has changed tactics to number one they don't actually read it right so that's probably number one problem number two is that he's gotten it to where well that bible that's just not something that we should use in government anymore it's not something we should use really kind of in everyday life anymore but wait that's brand new that's a new twist that's a new twist on things that's it that before it was um all this you know the church and the state were one and the state was telling you what god wanted you to do for your life and they could excommunicate you could burn you at the stake for um sedition or um any sort of thing they thought, thought was like sacrilegious right i'll tell you what the ten commandments have always been a basis for a free society simple ten commandments and our founding fathers agreed so too this is what from the founder from the founders bible it's difficult to argue that any single work has had a greater or far more far-reaching impact through four centuries of american life and law and culture than the ten commandments when we get away from the ten commandments and i'm going to we're going to focus on the first commandment okay the rest of the commandments they're not going to really do anything unless you keep the first commandment which is love the lord your god with all your heart and soul and strength okay if we are not telling children and training children to love god because God is love. I don't care what people say. Oh, practice your own religion and do your things. Yes, you have freedom of religion. But I'm going to tell you that children need to be taught. It's, it's, we have it inverted. How about every child just picks their own religion and then if they pick Christianity, we'll teach them that. No, no, no. You teach them Christianity and if they choose not to follow it, that's, that's okay. Okay? But you teach it to the kids. You teach them that the base and the best way for living is the Bible and the Ten Commandments. You have to teach all kids that. They all have to learn that. You are not going to have a free society. You will absolutely not have a free society. You cannot. It's impossible. As such, the fact that their public display would become a matter of current debate or prohibition is almost unthinkable. And yet it is. A, um, the Ten Commandments are the embodiment of the moral law, one of the four types of law in the Bible, and form the foundation for general morals in America as encompassed in the common law. We have common law here in America. Their repetition in Deuteronomy 5 provides an opportunity to demonstrate uh, that they were also the impetus for many specific American statutory laws. Statutory laws. The Ten Commandments were the basis for American law. Bar none. Good morning. I've been thinking about this. Just as Satan in Scripture, when he tempted Jesus in the desert, they are using the Constitution against us by twisting its intent. Boom, Sherry. You get like the gold star today awesome guys tell you the same stuff the original delivery of the ten commandments in exodus was to the children of israel immediately after god delivered them from egypt and established them as an independent nation now god repeated them in deuteronomy that's what i'm telling you guys read deuteronomy it is it's, it is power packed with the anointing if there's one book you just read over and over and over again to your kids if there's one book in the bible that we read and we get our country back it's Deuteronomy. I'm telling you guys, the glory of God is in the book of Deuteronomy. It's the blessings. It's the cursings. It's the basic instructions for life. It's the basic instructions for, for government. It's, it's basic. It's so simple. And Jesus quoted. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you something, guys. I came to fulfill the law so you don't have to, you know, women sit on this 
couch little here for seven days during the menstrual thing and and the priests over here have to make sure that they're doing their little sacrifices over here i came on the i'm the sacrifice for all so the ceremonial law you do not you, you i have fulfilled that i have fulfilled the ceremonial law because yes you sin yes you are crazy people but I fulfill that. So if you come to me and you wash yourself in me, we're good, we're good, we're good, okay? But the moral law is basically the common law throughout all generations for all people, all right? Okay. So Deuteronomy. After suffering the delay and pain of watching their parents perish in the wilderness because of their continual disobedience, remember the, the, it was that first generation, they didn't get to go to the promised land, okay? Because they kept disobeying God. Jesus said, back to the Ten Commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. And number two, everything else is summed up in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in our moral code, any, everything in our statutory code is designed for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's It's really simple. Really simple here, guys. But sometimes we don't understand what that love is because we don't have the love of God in our hearts. Love says, do not cut kids' genitals off. Like, come on. Come on. Don't molest a kid. Well, guess what? What you're doing, mutilating, is sexual mutilation of a child. Come on. I, I feel like we've gotten to the place where, like, every normie person is waking up and be like, okay, give me that Bible thing again. Okay, because we've gone off the cliff. And we're, oh, yeah, the Christians, like my mom and her generation, have got radically saved in the Jesus movement in, like, the, 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 the late 70s. And, they, and they're, and they like, they got really saved. And they started, like, get rid of rock and roll and all these things. And, and Ali Esther Crowley. And they're, like, getting all this stuff out of their life. And then, like... You got the Phil Donahue show, like all those crazy Christians, they just don't want us to have fun. No, we don't want you to get to the place where you are cutting kids' genitals off. Yeah. Okay, so like there's a, there's literally, you're, you're trying to tell somebody there's a cliff that way. If you keep going that direction, you're going over the cliff. Okay? You think you're having fun. You think you're just living it up. You know, but now you're filled with STDs and you're stupid because you've rotted your brain on drugs. Even I know that. Here's your brain. Here's your brain on drugs, you know, with the little crack in the egg. Come on now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> don't do drugs. It's for your brain. All right. I don't know if that's in the moral law. Okay. So here we go. So here we go. Uh, after suffering the delay of the pain, you're going to go to the promised land. The Ten Commandments are not mere dictates of obligation. They are life-giving promises. They are promises. They are promises. They are promises. They are instructions. They are guidelines. And if you do this, it says it's for your good. God didn't say, do not commit adultery because I just want to take fun from you. No, it's for your good. Because guess what? If you're married and your spouse goes has an affair, it hurts. It's painful. It's wrong because you're hurting and you're not very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, love your neighbor and yourself. Do you want somebody to have an affair in you? Do you want somebody to have hurt you? And then we got the, all these poly people like, I'm fine with it. Let's just all. No, you are crazy. You are demented. We are designed to be like jealous people. Our friend Sam, our friend Stacy and John got a word. Our God is a jealous God. Do you know there is a good godly jealousy? God is jealous. You know, Satan twists jealousy. But God actually puts a righteous jealousy in you. When you marry somebody, you don't want to see him with somebody else. Just like God doesn't want to see you with somebody else. It's simple. That's actually a good godly kind of jealousy. That's why God's like, don't commit adultery, man. You're hurting people. Don't do that. Don't lie. Don't bear, don't, don't bear false witness against somebody. Don't do what you're doing to Donald Trump. And saying that he tried to, you know, 
Sedition Act and and whatever, and try to have a, overthrow the government or whatever. You are bearing false witness. You are breaking the Ten Commandments, and you are not treating others the way you want to be treated. It's very simple. God made it simple. Jesus made it simple. We are we made it so. Did God really say? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? All right. So these the, the Ten Commandments are promises for good, like you teach your kids. I'm just gonna let my kid do whatever they want because I don't. I want to be one of those cool parents. No, you guide your kids. Why do you tell your kids not to run across the street before looking both ways? Well, my mom and dad are so mean. They made me look both ways before I cross the street. No, it's for your good. It's for your good. Okay? It's for your good. Put your helmet on if you're going to be driving your moped. Oh, my parents are so uncool. They make me wear a helmet when I ride my moped. It's for your good so you don't bust your brains open. And so the Ten Commandments are pretty simple, so you don't bust your brains open and bust society open. Come on. Simple. Have no laws. That's where people want to be. Ali Esther Crowley. You are a law unto yourself. You can hurt people. No, you can't hurt people. All right. So John Quincy Adams, one of my favorite founding fathers. The law given from Sinai, okay, was a civil and municipal, was, a, was a civil and municipal as well as a moral and religious code it contained many statutes of universal application laws essential to the existence of men in society john quincy adams laws essential to the existence of men in society what is that john Locke talks about society where men get together and they form a society so that okay marauders if they're going to come and try to steal my stuff and and hurt me we band together as a society so there's more in number to protect our property okay it's to be simple society comes together you get you get um john Locke says you give up a little a little of your freedom just a little bit of like super anarchy right to come together we have some laws we have some rules we have a sheriff we have some deputies so that when the bad guys come into town they can't you know shoot guns in the air and start terrorizing everybody Okay, so we have that's it's civil society. You know, you can have a non-civil society. Go ahead, have your anarchy. That's but that's what the left wants. They don't want no. They want tyranny, and then anarchy in that they can do anything to you, but you are controlled by them. That's called tyranny. That's called serfdom. That's what they want. You want, they want you to be a serf. All right. Laws essential to the existence of men in society, and most of which have been enacted by every nation which ever professed any code of laws. And actually, these are universal in application. You go back to the law of Hammurabi. A lot of these are universal, like murder. Even Rome knew murder was wrong, right? Okay, they had universal application. Founding father Noah Webster agreed. Where will you find any code of laws among civilized men? in which the commands and prohibitions are not founded on Christian principles. I need not specify the prohibition of murder, robbery, theft, and trespass. Come on now. These laws are essential to the existence of men in society, yet some critics today would object to displaying the commandments on such spurious grounds that there are too many versions. You know, some say, well, there's a Lutheran version and there's a Jewish version. No, they're all basically the same, the same uh, Ten Commandments. Number one. Have no other gods. This command was directly incorporated into the first written code of laws enacted in America, those of the Virginia Colony, 1610. The subsequent Massachusetts Legal Code of 1642, and that of Connecticut, 
1642, similarly declared, If any man, after legal conviction, shall have or worship any other god but the Lord God, shall be put to death. So we had the death penalty as we uh, founded this nation for uh, not worshiping God. A little bit, I might be a little bit harsh in my opinion, I was going to say. But the, I do believe that it is, the, it, the, in principle, a good idea for everyone to worship God, and that should be taught. Okay. Have no idols. Typical of the civil laws on the command was a 1680 New Hampshire law declaring idolatry. It is enacted by ye assembly and ye authority thereof, yet if any person, having had the knowledge of the true God, openly and manifestly have or worship any other God, but the Lord God, he shall be put to death. So once you're a Christian... Okay, it's not talking about like Native Americans who didn't know God. Um, if you know God and you profess that you knew God, if you worshipped another God, death penalty. Woo! All right, note. <laughs> David Barnard, Brad Cummings, our friend. Brad Cummings is a friend who wrote, put the Bible together, put this Bible together. Uh, he said the same thing we are. Okay, reading such early statutes and ones that follow can give the impression that the death penalty was freely applied to almost any crime in America. But such was not the case. This fact becomes apparent when comparing American laws and the European counterparts from the same period, as affirmed by early American historian uh, Daniel uh, Dorchester. When the Mayflower left England in 1620, 31 offenses were punishable by death in their mother country. 31. By the middle of that century, the blacklist had enlarged to 223. By six in, in, um, in the mid-1600s in England, there were 223 offenses punishable by death of which 176 were without the benefit of the clergy. Uh, there were no exceptions. How far in advance the New England colonies were is evidence from the fact that not a single colony code recognized more than 15 capital crimes. That might still strike us as severe, but when understood in context, realized that having a copy of the scriptures for themselves in their own language to study and learn what God was like as revealed in his word was a relatively new development. Prior to this, the Bible was actually kept from the people so as to keep them ignorant and easily controlled by those in power who regularly committed horrible atrocities in God's name. Given that, it is quite remarkable just how quickly these early forefathers began to learn from themselves that God was not like, not, God was not like those who had misrepresented him for their own aims. All right, honor God's name. Civil laws based on this commandment were divided into two categories, laws prohibiting swearing and profanity and laws prohibiting blasphemy. Noah Webster affirmed that both were derived from this commandment. When in obedience to the third commandment of the Decalogue, you would avoid profane swearing. You are to remember that this, is, that this alone is not a full compliance with the prohibition which comprehends all irreverent words or actions and whatever tends to cast contempt on the supreme being or on his word and ordinances, i.e. blasphemy. Notori uh, numerous statutes uh, were enacted as a result of the third commandment to honor God's name. Do not take his name in vain. Number four, honor the Sabbath day. From the beginning, every American colony enacted civil law to honor the Sabbath. That legal recognition continued over subsequent centuries. For example, during the American Revolution, Commander-in-Chief George Washington issued no numerous military orders directing the Sabbath be observed. The Commander-in-Chief directs that divine service be performed every Sunday at 11 o'clock. It is accepted that officers of all ranks will, in their attendance, set an example for their men. You know who else who had Sabbath laws, who promoted them? Thomas Jefferson. Uh, it's just resistance chicks, Sherry. It's just resistance chicks. She just put in resistance chicks. I think it's one. I think it might be together. It might be resistance chicks, but it is resistance chicks. Michelle can put it in there. Um, 
Virginia enacted an extensive eight-part law written by Thomas Jefferson in 1792. Vermont enacted a 10-part Sabbath law in 1787. New Hampshire enacted a 14-part law in 1799, and Maine enacted a 13-part Sabbath law in 1821, and other states did the same. So when the Constitution was written in, eight, in 1787, it too honored the traditional Christian Sabbath. Article 1, Section 7, Paragraph 2 stipulates that the President has 10 days to sign the law, Sundays accepted. This Sundays accepted clause had previously appeared in state constitutions, and so the historical understanding of this clause at both the state and federal levels was summarized by numerous courts, including the 1912 Court of Missouri. It is provided that if the governor does not return a bill within 10 days, Sundays accepted. Can any impartial mind deny that it contains a recognition of the Lord's Day as a day exempted by law from all worldly pursuits? The framers of the Constitution then recognized Sunday as a day to be observed acting themselves under a law which exacted a, compuls a compulsive observance of it. Sunday was recognized as a day of rest. Other courts were equally, equally candid about the Sabbath laws and their relation to the Ten Commandments. For example, in as, early, as late as 1950, the Supreme Court of Miss Mississippi affirmed, the Sunday laws have a divine origin. Oh, we can't preach that Bible in school, but the Constitution uh, ha has like the fact that Sunday is accepted in it because we are to worship God on Sundays after and why because after six days of creation the creator himself rested on the seventh Genesis 2 chapter 2 chapter 2 verse 2 and 3 thus the Sabbath was instituted as a day of rest the original example was later confirmed as a commandment when the law was handed down from Mount Sinai remember the Sabbath day keep it holy Exodus 28 in 16 uh, in 1967 the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania similarly declared Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of, uh, of the Lord thy God. In it you shall not do any other work. This divine pronouncement became part of the common law inherited by the 13 American colonies and by the sovereign states of the American Union. That was 1967. We're a Christian nation, guys. we got to get back to these Christian principles. We, we, we took a wrong turn. We just got to go back, get back on the road. Okay? You're welcome, Terry. The modern U.S. Supreme Court affirms that even to this day, states have a right to enact laws honoring the Sabbath. Honor your parents. 1642 Connecticut law specifically cited the Decalogue as its basis for its civil laws related to honoring parents. If any child or children above 16-year-old and sufficient understanding shall curse or smite their normal father or mother, or he, he or they shall be put to death, unless it can be sufficiently tested, testified that the parents have been very unchristian, um, and, and negligent in the education of such children, uh, so they're kind of wild kids, or so they provoke them by extreme or cruel correction that they've been abused. That's crazy. And they've been forced to preserve themselves from death or maiming. Three centuries later, in 1934, Pennsylvania Appeals Court affirmed the continuing influence of the Fifth Commandment on civil laws. Honor your father and mother is as much a command of the municipal law as it is part of the Decalogue regarded as holy by every Christian people. A child, says the code, whatever be his age, owes honor and respect to his mother and father. Really? Well, let's talk about some of these gender-affirming people. Let's talk about public schools. Oh, we know best. We're going we're gonna to take your kids from you. We're the state. We know, we know, we know better. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We, we got to go back to honor your father and mother. Everybody knew you honor your father and mother. Right? Um... Sherry, I particularly, uh, that's a whole other subject on Sabbath day, rest, and a lot of people have different opinions. Um, Jesus says, now you've entered into rest. I do believe that 
that there that we do not follow the letter of the law okay god you don't have to do something but i do think that it is physically good for you it's good for you it the, the, the sabbath is the, the man is not for the sabbath the sabbath is for the man be led by the holy spirit but in general in society we don't have people work on sundays or make on like we take it we, we have to put that in the calendar but in your life um you you can you know it's not there's there's not a right or right or wrong you can it's a be led by the holy spirit i'm sure paul several times was probably lost at sea on the sabbath or he was traveling you know they could they could travel and move on the sabbath again okay so do not commit adultery directly citing the decalogue a uh, 1641 massachusetts law declared if any person commits adultery with a married or espoused wife the adulterer and adulterer shall surely be put to death for three centuries colonies and states based their adultery policies on the decalogue example in 1787 vermont uh, said whereas the violation of the marriage covenant is contrary to the command of god and destructive to the peace of families be it therefore enacted by the general assembly of the state of vermont that if any man be found in bed with another man's wife or a woman with another man's husband uh it um etc etc i guess we didn't find out what happened to them i didn't put that in here in 1898 the highest criminal court in texas declared thou shalt not commit adultery is our law as well as the law of the bible who got rid of those if you guys have been watching our revelation red pill on wednesdays that is alfred kinsey uh and his stupid um non-scientific sex research got rid of 52 um moral laws basically where we had uh, uh, adultery was illegal in this nation up until the 50s and 60s uh, in 1955 the washington supreme court likewise affirmed adultery whether promiscuous or not violates one of the ten commandments and statutes of this state 1955 adultery was illegal you know a lot of people are like why wouldn't you get rid of no-fault divorce well how about we just get rid of how about we just make adultery illegal i'm all for that i am all for that it is legal i don't know what the punishment is but i know it's gonna be legal because here's the thing adultery is you if a marriage is making a covenant and it's making an oath and it's actually a contract if you breach that contract it should it's illegal to breach a contract this is this is, this is simple stuff right early colonial laws are easily cited for evidence and that's why hey with homosexual marriage listen um if you you want to say if you want to say there's homosexual marriage well you can't be having affairs you're you're a marriage is saying two people together for life no other forsaking all others okay if you go outside of that you're breaking the law okay so hey homosexuals do one person whole life including like pornography including hookups you ready for that because that's what marriage really is you made that vow you made that contract that's what the contract is you don't want to make that contract go do something else don't call it a marriage early colonial laws are easily cited for evidence of the decalogue's influence on this prohibition but considers more uh, recent, de but consider more recent declarations such as from 1951, the Louisiana uh, Supreme Court. In the Ten Commandments, the basic basic law of all Christian countries is found the admonition: "Thou shalt not steal." In 1940, the Supreme Court of California, California, what stealing? Who knows? There's a lot of stealing going on in California. You know why? They left the basic instructions before leaving Earth. It's in the Bible. It's so simple. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. It's illegal. Thou shalt not steal. Thou, can, can I hear? Can I hear louder? Can you hear in the back? Can I, can, can I hear? Thou shalt not steal. California, 1940. Supreme Court, California. All right. 
Thou shalt not steal applies with equal force and propriety to the industrialists of a complex civilization as to the simple herdsmen of ancient Israel. In 1914, the federal court acknowledged that the Constitution's taking clause prohibiting the government seizure of private property was an embodiment of the Decalogue's Eighth Commandment against theft. You know what's theft? Property taxes. Violates God's nature. And we... Listen, I'm getting in, I'm, I'm getting in charge of this government. When Christians get in charge of this government, we get rid of property taxes because you can't say um, that I, in order to live here on this property that I own, outright, by the way, thank you, Jesus, that now I pay rent. I pay like two or three hundred dollars in rent every month. That's insane. That's insane. I, I'm, I'm a surf. I am a serf. They are stealing. This is not. Oh well, you don't. You need. You need to get together, and, and you need to have like stuff. You need to have roads, and, and you need your government. You. Okay, we get together. We decide. You can have some taxes, but not property taxes. Property taxes make it so that I never own anything. Taxes are for people who actually actually have some finances. Okay. Old people, you're taking all their property. Stupid. It's wrong. It's thievery. Um, thou shalt you do not perjure yourself. Sixteen forty two, Connecticut. If any man rise up by false witness, willing wittingly and of purpose to take away any man's life, you shall be put to death. It's a very serious crime to perjure yourself, to bear false witness. And we see that. The J six committee, all that was bearing false witness. It's against the Ten Commandments. But if if as as if as Christians we are not invoking these if we are not pushing for these if we are not and i'm not pushing for the death penalty but we need to push it as being illegal to um obviously um to to perjure yourself like there has to be punishments for perjury right it is against the law what they're doing to donald trump people are perjuring themselves they are they are lying they you mccabe is lying and it's more it's not so much about society holding these people accountable as it god helping us to hold these people accountable um, most unbelievers have no idea what a covenant is for that matter. Most believers don't understand either. So people get married. Um, uh, oh, sorry. I missed it, but I understand what you mean about getting married, right? Okay. For the financial benefit afforded by the government, God doesn't even factor in. And why? Why Linda? Well, because everybody was instructed according to the Bible and they actually had kids, um, would quote these principles they would quote deuteronomy and just one generation of kids not taught the bible and then you don't understand what an oath is my mom is finishing a blog and reading it out loud um we will pull god's laws i think she she did a blog that is very similar to this pg on and you can find that on on rumble so i'm very keen to listen to her but i wanted to do mine first because i didn't want to i thought i bet they're getting the same message and so i thought it'd be kind of cool to do to do this one and see how they compared all right, the Ten Commandments do not covet. The Tenth Command actually forms a basis for many other prohibitions given in the other commandments. William Penn, a framer of the original laws of Pennsylvania knowledge, he that covets can no more be a moral man than he that steals, since he does so in his mind. Nor can he be one that robs of his neighbor, robs his neighbor of his credit or that craftily undermines him of his trade or office. If you are wanting to, you know, I think of all these advertisers out there. You're coveting, if you're coveting people's money, Listen, if you have a product you want to sell and you want to get it out there and you feel like it's a good product, that's fine. 
But if you're just trying to make sales or make bank because you want other people's money, you want other people's things, that is robbery. That is thievery. And that is wrong. Founding father, John Adams, the moment the idea is admitted into society that property is not as sacred as the laws of God and that there is not a force of law and public justice to protect it, anarchy and tyranny commence. If thou shalt not covet and thou shalt not steal were not commandments of heaven, they must be made inviolable precepts in every society before it can be civilized or made free. You know why the left and the crazy from the cities, especially in California, are going crazy? Because they do not teach children, they do not they do not enact thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, going into Walgreens says, I want that, I'm gonna take it. Why? Because these children have not been given this as instructions for life. They're actually harming themselves, they're harming their souls. Okay, many courts have acknowledged this. In 1895, California cited this prohibition as a basis of civil laws against defamation, actually. In uh, 1904, the Court of Appeals in West Virginia cited it as the basis of laws preventing election fraud. In 1951, the Oregon Supreme Court cited this part of the Ten Commandments as a basis of civil laws against modern forms of cattle rustling. And in 1958, a Florida appeals court cited it as the basis of laws targeting white-collar crime. There are numerous other examples affirming that this commandment of the Ten Commandments had a substantial influence on many other civil laws. There are hundreds of more examples of irrefutably demonstrating the substantial influence of the Ten Commandments on American civil law. In fact, so clear and compelling is the historical evidence that it has been consistently acknowledged by courts across America, such as when in of the 1917 Supreme Court of North Carolina affirmed, our laws are founded upon the Decalogue. That's what they called it in old-timey speech, 1917. Old-timey. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, okay? Not that every case can be exactly decided according to what is there enjoined, but we can never safely depart from this short but great declaration of moral principles without founding the law upon the sand instead of upon the eternal rock of justice and equity. Justice and equity, let's see. We're going to have a case. We think you broke the law. Let's go to the Ten Commandments first and let's see what you broke. Okay? 1950, the support, Florida Supreme Court similarly said, A people unschooled about the sovereignty of God, the Ten Commandments, and the ethics of Jesus could never have evolved the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, and the Constitution. There is not one solitary fundamental principle in our democratic policy that did not stem directly from the basic moral concepts and embodied in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and the ethics of Jesus. There is not one thing in America that made America great that was not based upon the moral laws, the code of ethics in the Word of God, the basic Ten Commandments, and the basic ethics of Jesus. When you combine the basic ethics of Jesus with the Ten Commandments, with the Old Testament, with the blessings that come from that, you get America. And if we wanted to have a more perfect union, we would be more perfectly applying the Word of God. But instead, we have a crumbling union, uh, uh, union that is falling apart. People are destroying one another because we don't have these basic principles. In short, the Ten Commandments are not only form the basis of moral law in America, but were also a direct influence on its civil and statutory laws. The effect of the commandments produce a truly civilized society. The effect of the commandments um, for as a matter of civil policy, it matters not one whit if my neighbor is an atheist or opponent of Christianity, but if he will nevertheless govern his behavior by the basic values found in the Ten Commandments, 
That is, if he will refrain from killing me, stealing my property, or taking my wife, he will make a good citizen, regardless of whether or not he holds any specific religious beliefs. John Adams said, even if the Ten Commandments were not commandments in heaven, they must be made precepts for every society before it can be made free. So, that was the opening to Deuteronomy. So, I began to read in Deuteronomy. So, what do we, why do we have a separation of powers? Deuteronomy chapter 1. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day like the stars of the heaven in number. May the Lord God, the God of your fathers, increase you a thousandfold more than you are, and bless you just as he has promised you. How can I alone bear the load and burden of you and your strife? This is Moses speaking. Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your leads. Okay. Very first. Wise discerning and experienced people i'm telling you how many are elected that we can say that person is wise discerning and experienced honestly i only think of ron paul maybe thomas massey but everybody else is stupid unexperienced and can't discern anything why are we electing them so I took heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and pointed them as heads over you, leaders of a thousands, leaders of hundreds, fifties and tens, and officers of your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your fellow countrymen, and judge righteously between them, and you shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You will not fear man, for judgment is God's. If the case is too hard for you, you will bring it to me, and I will hear it. That's the basis of setting up our Congress and the separation of powers in government, right? So they were wandering in the wilderness, and God brought them out of the wilderness by his mighty hand. He says, this is very cool, <clears throat> Deuteronomy 2.25, This day I will put the dread and fear of you upon peoples everywhere under heavens. I'm going to write this, I'm going to make sure I write this down. Because um, there are a couple scriptures here as I was reading that I want to make sure that as I'm going over these, I rewrite them because these are so powerful. We want to stop the tyranny in the nation, but we're only going to do it with the power of God. Well, they were going in to take the land from the giants. They didn't do it because they were strong. They didn't do it because they were great warriors. They didn't do it because they had a great battle plan. They did it, number one, because of Deuteronomy 2.25. I will put the dread of you on your enemies. Dread of you. Write that down. On your enemies. Can you believe that? That's so powerful. The dread of you on your enemies. On the peoples everywhere. It actually doesn't say enemies. On the peoples everywhere under the heavens who, when they hear their report of you, will tremble and be in anguish because of you. We want to stop the deep state. We got to start keeping the commandments so that God will put the fear of God in somebody. All right? The fear of God in somebody. And the Lord said to me, do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his his land his land into your hand. And you shall do unto him just as you did in the Sihon, the king of Amorites, who lived at Heshbron. 
And he was talking. He said, and he was, he's giving an example of all the different things that he took them through. We went through this place. We went through this place. We went to this place. And we went through, um, he was talking about um, Bashan and Og and the king of Bashan. He's going through all these different things that, I, that he, he took them through. Okay. Four, chapter four. Oh, Israel, listen to the statutes and judgment which I am teaching you and perform that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, your God, your fathers is giving you. Listen, if we do not obey these statutes, Deuteronomy 4, 1. I'm going to write in a few of these things down. These are important. Listen to the statutes. Listen to the statutes. Okay. Listen to the commandments. Listen to the listen to the teachings of God, so that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God your fathers is giving you. Don't add a word to it. Don't take away from it. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done. Okay, hold fast to the Lord your God. Hold fast to the Lord your God today. Every one of you. Put that there. Write that down. Number four, verse four. Hold fast. If I had a whiteboard, I put hold fast to God. Hold fast to Him. Hold fast to him. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me. And you should do thus in the land where you are entering in. So keep them and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding. And in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is wise in understanding. Wise in understanding. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord the God? that we call upon or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which i am setting before you today only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and do not depart from your heart all the days of your life to make them known to your sons and grandsons remember the day you stood before the lord your god at oreb and the lord said assemble the people that i may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days of the earth and they may teach it to their children so you came near and you stood at the foot of the mountain and the mountain burned with fire with a very uh to the very heart of the heavens darkness and cloud and six thick, uh, thick gloom then the lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire you heard the sound of his words but you saw no form only a boy a voice and he declared to you his covenant which he commanded to you to perform that is the ten commandments and he wrote them on two tablets, and the Lord command two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and the judgments, that you might perform them in the land where you are going to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully, since you do not see any form of it. You can't see God, right? So so act in the likeness and 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 beware, not to worship other things. Do not not lift up your eyes to the heavens and see the sun and moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven and be drawn away and worship them and serve them. So he's getting, he, he fleshes this out. Don't serve other gods. Don't worship other gods. And he talks about watch yourselves. Don't forget the covenant with the Lord your God, which he, which uh, you made with him. Don't make a graven image. Uh, uh, love your father and mother. Uh, verse uh, 30. When you are in distress and all these things that come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God. If you serve other gods and all these. The, Lord, and We can come back to him. We can come back. We are serving other gods, but we can come back and we need to come back. Okay? So what do we do? When we're in distress, this is our distress signal. Write that down. Cha uh, chapter chapter 4, verse 30 is our distre distress signal. Okay? We, we are a nation of distress. Distress signal. We'll put on this distress signal. When you are in distress, okay, and all these things have come upon you, he's talking about the curses, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. 
For the Lord your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to you. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. And has anything been done like this great thing, or anything heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking in the midst of the fire as you have? So he repeats the Ten Commandments again in chapter 5. Okay, it's, it's really powerful. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Right? These are really important. And it's important to start early with teaching these things to your children. From the Founder's Bible, page 289. For centuries in America, the Bible was the primary textbook utilized by students. Students who became America's greatest scientists, teachers, statesmen, ministers, businessmen, and military leaders. Occasionally, someone su would suggest that something other than the Bible would be a more appropriate core textbook. But such suggestions were routinely rejected by the Founding Fathers. Fisher Aimed, who helped frame the Bill of Rights in the first Federal Congress, addressed this issue in an article published entitled School Books. He began commenting on a recent trend he had observed in American education. It has been the custom of late years to put a number of little books into the hands of children containing fables and moral lessons. But Ames noted that each time a new school book was placed into the classroom, time was spent on it, thus reducing the time spent on students by students on the Bible. The overall effect was that the Bible was gradually drifting back to the back of the classroom, and Ames strongly objected. Why then, if these books for children must be retained, as they will be, should not the Bible regain the place in it once held as a school book? Its morals are pure, its examples captivating and noble. The reverence of this for the sacred book that is thus early impressed, impressed lasts long and probably, if not impressed in infancy, never takes firm hold in the mind. We have to teach children the Word of God in the Bible. Okay? Of course, Fisher Ames was living proof of the benefits of the Bible-based education. He learned to read the Bible early, and when he was only six, he had already begun to study it in Latin. When 12, he passed the entrance exam into Harvard. He graduated at 16, and then he became a teacher. Can you believe that? John Witherspoon was four years old, and he had already finished reading the Bible from cover to cover. Your four-year-old still watching Thomas the Tank? Well, John Witherspoon, signer of the Declaration, could read the Bible from cover to cover at four. He'd already read it. The whole, he didn't just could read the Bible, he did. He had read the Bible from cover to cover by four years old. And while still a child, he could recite nearly all of the New Testament from memory. Y'all. Founding Father, you know the Bible makes you smart. It really does. You want, it, you, want, you want the smartest kid in the world? Use the Bible as your textbook. Founding Father John Trumbull, a justice on the Supreme Court of Connecticut, also had finished reading the Bible through by the time he was four. Harriet Beecher Stowe, was seven years old and she had memorized 27 hymns in several chapters of the Bible at seven. Can your seven-year-old recite? You know your seven-year-old can recite a lot of things. Let's make, let's, how about they recite the Bible? Daniel Webster, defender of the Constitution, was just a young lad and his school teacher, James Tappan, reported, I held up a handsome new jackknife to the scholars and said, the boy who would commit to memory the greatest number of verses in the Bible by Monday morning should have it. Many of the boys did well, but when it came to Daniel's turn to recite, I found that he had committed so much to memory that after hearing him repeat some 60 or 70 verses, I was obliged to give up. He telling me that there were several chapters yet that he had learned. Daniel got that jackknife. 
The Bible was the primary text of all these accomplished students. Shiner of the Declaration, Benjamin Rush, uh, was another founder who strongly objected to not using the Bible as the principal textbook in schools. So we're at a school board meeting. We told you about this earlier, where a woman wanted to just pray, and they said, well, we can't do that. It's against the law. And then they broke out in the Lord's Prayer. People were like, we can't do that. Well, the Bible, if the Bible is the main textbook, yeah, you can pray. In 1791, Benjamin Rush, he published a work offering numerous reasons why it must remain America's premier school textbook. In the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, we find the following words, which are directly to my purpose. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thy heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. The learning of the Jews for many years consisted in nothing but a knowledge of the scriptures. But the benefits of an early and general acquaintance with the Bible were not confined only to the Jewish nations. They have appeared in many countries in Europe since the Reformation. The industry and habits of order which distinguish many of the German nations, all the kind of European nations, are derived from their early instruction in the principles of Christianity by means of the Bible. The moral and enlightened character of the inhabitants of Scotland is that the same now? And of New England states appears to have derived from the same cause. The Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all of the books. So what is it about Deuteronomy chapter 6 that's so powerful? Now this is the commandment and statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God command me to teach you and to and, and that you might do them in the land where you're going to possess it, to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments, as I command you all the days of your life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts, and on, on your house, and your gates. Then it shall come about, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, which he swore to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, great and splendid cities, which you did not build, and houses full of good things, which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns, which you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, and you eat and be satisfied, then watch for yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God and worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any other gods, for your Lord your God is in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord uh, will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. So we have to know that we've left God. And we're like, why is it so bad? God, make things better. Well, you send your kids, 80% of Christians send their kids to public schools, and they're not trained according to the Word of God, and then you complain, and you want to be raptured out of here. So that's my secret. Teach everybody the Bible. Teach your kids your Bible. Teach them the principles, and not just to read it, but to understand it, to understand why the Ten Commandments are real and important. So this is the secret code. This is the secret sauce. This is the real deal. This is how we get our country back. And we start, maybe we can't enact a law that every person pull their kid from public school, but we can know it. And we can know that it's the right thing. You have to know it inside. Well, Leah, we can't fix it. And it's just too big. 
I got something for you. It's never too big. It's never too big. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Are you ready? Hear, O Israel, you are crossing over the Jordan today to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Great cities fortified in heaven. Fortified to heaven. A tall, great people, the sons of Anakim. You guys know. I know. We're going to talk about the Anakim. Who you know, the giants in the land had six fingers, six toes. <clears throat> whom you know, and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that it is the Lord your God who is crossing over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them, and he will subdue them before you, so that you may drive them out and destroy them quickly, just as the Lord has spoken unto you. Do not say in your heart, when the Lord your God has driven them out before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is dispossessing them before you. It is not for your righteousness or for your uprightness in heart that you are going to possess their land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God is driving them out before you in order to confirm the oath which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Jacob. Know then, it is not because of your righteousness. I get it. Okay. It's not because of my righteousness. Uh, that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stubborn people. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day you left the land of Egypt until you arrived in this place. You have been rebellious to the Lord. So here we go, guys. This is how we take on the giants. We have to remember the Lord our God. He wants to bless us. He wants to bless us with his promises. Deuteronomy 7 <clears throat> says when he brings you into the land and the Lord de delivers all the Hittites, the Hivites, and you defeat them, don't make a covenant with them. Don't intermarry with them. Don't give your daughters to them. Because if you do, the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will destroy you quickly. God kept a promise to these people and he's faithful to keep this promise. Verse 12 of chapter 7. Then it shall come about because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them. That the Lord your God will keep with you his covenant and his loving kindness which he swore to your forefathers. He will love you and bless you and multiply you and he will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your herd and the young of your flock in the land which he swore to your forefathers to give to you. You will be blessed above all peoples. There will be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. The Lord will remove you, remove all sickness from you. And he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt, which you have known. But he will lay them on those who hate you. You shall consume all the peoples whom the Lord your God will deliver to you. Your eyes shall not have pity for them, nor shall you serve their gods. That would be a snare for you. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to Egypt. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You will not be able to put an end to them quickly, for the wild beasts will grow too numerous for you. 
But the Lord your God will deliver them before you and will throw them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will deliver their kings into your hands so that you will make their name perish from heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them and kill their graven images with fire. Do not um, covet. And Deuteronomy 8, I'm not going to go into Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to end with this. So help me God. The traditional legal oath-taking process in America has followed the same general format for four centuries. Raise your right hand, saying, So help me God, placing a hand in the Bible, and kissing the Bible after the oath. Wow. Much of this American oath-taking practice has its origin in the Bible. Genesis 26.3, God told Isaac, I will establish an oath which I swore to your father Abraham. God says, I also raise my hand in an oath. Ezekiel 20. Isaiah says, the Lord has sworn by his right hand and when God's people were instructed about how to take an oath they were told you shall swear by his name which is what we do today when we use the phrase so help me God despite this fourth century practice in America oath taking in recent years lawsuits have been filed demanding the process be taken away well actually let me show you um, in Connecticut's original 1639 legal code required oaths swear by the great and dreadful name of the ever-living God. So help me God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when Connecticut periodically revised their oaths, they retained the same general form. So help me God. Georgia required the elected officials, judges, jurors, and witnesses to take their oath in the presence of Almighty God. So help me God. And not only that they take their oath on the Bible, but specifically that they take it on the holy evangelists of Almighty God, meaning that the whole Bible, including the four Gospels of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. North Carolina required the party to be sworn to lay his hand upon the holy evangelists of Almighty God, and afterwards repeating the words, So help me God, shall kiss the holy Gospels. Virginia's law was written by Thomas Jefferson and required that every person shall take the following office, oath of office, So help me God. George Washington was sworn in as president, the nation's first federal capital in New York City. The New York law required that the usual mode of administrating oaths, so help me God, and that the person taking the oath place his hand on the Bible and then kiss the Gospels at the conclusion of the oath. Washington did this. Five locations in the U.S. Constitution addressed oaths to be taken by public officials. The Founding Fathers and those who framed the Constitution unanimously affirmed that the taking of any oath by any public official was always and inherently a religious activity. James Madison, an oath, the strongest of religious ties. Rufus King, signer of the Constitution. Our laws, by the oath which they prescribe, we appeal to the Supreme Being, so to deal with us hereafter as we observe the obligations of our oaths. The pagan world were and are without the almighty, the mighty influence of this principle which is proclaimed in the Christian system. John Adams, oaths in this country are as yet universally considered as sacred obligations. John Witherspoon, an oath is an appeal to God, the searcher of hearts, for truth of what we say and always express or suppose in imprecation, calling down of his judgment upon us if we um, lie. An oath, therefore, implies a belief in God and his providence and indeed is an act of worship. In vows, there is no party but God and the person himself who makes the vow. John Witherspoon signed the declaration, and so when in seven, the seven places where our Constitution requires an oath, it was based upon the Bible, it was based upon the Word of God, it was based upon God being the supreme um, being of the entire universe. 
Oliver Walcott, he signed the declaration, the Constitution enjoins an oath upon all the officers of the United States. This is a direct appeal that God, who is the avenger of perjury, so you take this oath so that God judges you if you lie. Such an appeal to him is a full acknowledgement of his being in province. John Quincy Adams. The Constitution had provided that all the public functionaries of the Union, not only of the general and federal, but of all the state governments, should be under oath of affirmation for its support. The homage of religious faith was this super, uh, superadded to all the obligations of temporal law to give its strength. George Washington, in his farewell address, Where is the security for property, for reputation for life, if the sense of religious or Christian obligation desert the oaths? James Iredell, ratifier of the Constitution, According to the modern definition, 1788, of an oath, it is considered a solemn appeal to the Supreme Being for the truth of what is said by a person who believes in the existence of a Supreme Being and in a future state of rewards and punishments. A future state of rewards and punishments, heaven and hell. These giants are not too big. We can and will take them down. This is how we do it. With the word of God, by getting back to the principles and how do we do that? We have to know it, read it, live it, breathe it, teach it to your kids and understand that the basis of all moral law is the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. Read Deuteronomy, read it front, read it back, read it over and over. It is the most cited Old Testament book by our founding fathers. That's how our country was founded. This is the secret sauce. This is how we get our country back. You have to know that every child needs to be taught according to the Bible. If there is an education system that is not using the Bible as its main textbook, it is not going to produce a good society. It's not going to produce a country full of um, rights and freedoms and liberties. You are not going to have liberties. You are not going to have laws if the children are not caught, taught according to the Bible and according to the according to the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And while we keep saying, uh, let's take prayer out of schools, we're, we're, that's, that's, that's like a little decoration on the cake. It's not even the icing on the cake. Prayer is an afterthought. That The foundation is the Word of God. Every child, it's not like, oh, can the Bible be taught in schools? No, the Bible has to be taught in schools. It has to be the only textbook in a lot of cases for a lot of people to be cleanse their minds. It should be the base textbook and it was the base textbook and that created the men and women who created this great nation and we want to throw this bible away and say we don't need you but god still bless us christians are sending their kids to public school things and they're getting education it's not education those kids are being they're they're not being taught how to run a nation they're not and these congressmen and even the christian congressmen if they if this was not their main textbook if they don't know this inside and out they don't understand deuteronomy they don't understand leviticus they don't understand the gospel of jesus christ and how it works together for moral and civil law they can't they cannot make law they don't know how to make law we're going to go we're back in pagan times we're back where you've got it, you might as well have capital punishment for these january sixers who are getting 17 years in prison and then um one guy who killed a young man for being a Trump supporter got five years in prison. He killed. Do you guys hear that? I didn't cover that in my last night. There was a, a man who killed a Trump supporter, a young man because he thought he was a Trump supporter. He has five years in prison. A January 6th who moved to fence, he has 17 years in prison. Well, back when our country was founded, they had the death penalty for blasphemy. I'm not advocating for that, by the way. 
Um, so we get this nation back when we get our country back. When we recognize that this is our textbook. And we keep trying to... Matt Gates is trying to, you know, fix the Speaker of the House and get... You know, Guys, I understand that there are things we have to we're, we're doing because the dam is has is burst in all these places, and you got a Marjorie Taylor Greene over here and a Lauren Boebert over here. They're both divorced, by the way. Now, did you know that? They entered married, and now they're divorced. Does somebody have an affair? What's going on? I don't know. They're the best we got. They're fighters. Give them that. And they try to be biblical, but they don't know the Bible, so they don't—they can't enact it because we still have all these. Um, even my—I have good friends who send their kids to public school. The founding fathers believe that the, the, the Bible should be the main textbook. Well, my Bible doesn't need to be the main textbook, and our kids need to be salt and light. Our kids need to be socialized. Okay, whatever. You're fine. There goes the country. My kids need to be salt and light. Show me in here where it says, send your children to a pagan place so that they can go missionize for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. Show me. Show me. Show me where our founding father said, you know what? I think we should send our five-year-old to a pagan place where they talk about multiple genders so that they could be salt and light. Yeah, that sounds like a stupid idea that they would never do. And they didn't do because they thought they actually like keep, people don't even like people don't love their kids. They legit don't love their kids. Like that shows me when a parent sends their kids to public school, they don't truly love their kids. Leah, you're being harsh. God is love. You don't know how to love your kids. If you're sending your kids to public school, you don't, you're not loving your kids. Now, caveat. Oh, there are some people you know who you are, who are forced to send, I want, you don't want to send your kid to public school. That's a different story. If you're choosing it, and you have a way out, and there's always a way out, I'm going to tell you with God, there's always a way out. So when Christians start to train up their kids, it got to be real. It's so funny, everybody's wanting to fight a revolution. And I'm like, the easiest revolution is for every single Christian to pull their kids out of public school and train them according to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we just get our country back. Well, no, I'd rather fight with guns. Well, see how that ends up. This, that, that, is, that is a bad idea. That's stupid. Okay? God has basic instructions for us. Easy. The Ten Commandments. Teach them to your kids. Make the Bible the basic textbook. Get the New England Primer. Teach your kids the alphabet. A is for Adam. This is what the New England Primer said. A is for Adam. My favorite is L is for licentiousness. D is for debauchery. Teach your kids right and wrong. Teach your kids not to lie, cheat, steal. Teach them that God is watching, that there's a punishment. There's, there's, there's rewards and punishments for doing what's right and doing what's wrong. And this whole idea that you can just say a little prayer and ask Jesus into your heart and you're going to heaven and that you can go and lie and cheat and steal and commit adultery and you're good. It's not what our founding fathers believed. It's not in our civil code. So that's a different kind of religion. That's a different kind of um, Christianity than our, than our founding fathers um, believed in or taught. They didn't believe in, in, in the idea of this once, once you just saved, always saved. They didn't believe that. They didn't believe that you could just like say a little prayer. Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? And then you live a, a, a crazy life full of sin. They're like, well, they, I don't think you actually made Jesus Lord of your life. You have to live it out every single day. Every single day you make God king. You love him. If you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, 
How can you say that you're a Christian? How can you expect to go to heaven if you don't love God, if you don't love your neighbor? How do you know that you're saved if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and you love your neighbor as yourself and you're trying to do what's right? Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. But in the essence of it, it goes back to, I, I want to wake up every day and I want to love people. If I make a mistake, if I lie on accident, there's, you know, the Old Testament is full of like accidental sacrifices. But if you do something on purpose, that's a whole different ball game, right? Um, my son, now 31, got these comments. Oh, shoot. Ah, wish I could read that one. Oh, there were five giants. One was Goliath's brother. The odd one, the fifth one, and 24 digits. Is that, is that from the... Leah is convicting me. I'm going to go back and read some of this. The uh, Satan worship pedophile, Satan worshiping pedophiles in the White House and the Senate and Dr. Death Claus Schwab and the Fauci Gate Soros have ordered the totalist manning and destruction of society. Exactly. You guys are getting it. You guys are getting it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about getting out of... Getting out of um, office and taking on these giants, right? Um, I'm trying to go to some of these comments here. You guys have been awesome. Believed I had the whole, oh, my son, now 31, believed I had the whole Bible memorized. He believed that because in every situation, the response was, what did the Bible say about it? I still still live in this way, however. Um, my family has adopted the ways of the world. I'm sorry for that. That's tough. That's really tough. Uh, Catherine says, it's important to understand the kingdom operation and living how he intended. It makes everything else in his work easier to understand i'm going to draft a paper about taxes once finished i'm going to address um, our county commissioners and show them why we need to abolish property taxes <laughs> i love it you guys are getting on fire awesome okay you guys share this out if you guys want to get a um, founder's bible which i highly recommend um you can go to the foundersbible.com uh use promo code chicks that's not really doing much for us at all that just gives you guys uh 20 off so the kickback just goes to you guys. Brad Cummings set that up. He's amazing. He's a, he's a good friend. He's going to be at Bards Fest September uh, 21st through 23rd. Uh, he's the author of The uh, Shack. A great friend of Scott Kesterson's. So if you guys want to hear more about that, go to resistancechicks.com. Click on the banner that says Bards Fest. Or go to bardsfm.com. We've got kids things. We've got revival. We're going to do deliverance. We've got Joe Vega. We've got a whole slate on Friday of just military awesomeness. There's going to be a military roundtable. We're going to fuse the uh, spiritual uh, aspect and the military aspect, spiritual warfare, physical warfare, um, and it's going to be powerful. How do we, uh, in sex trafficking, so if you guys want to join us there in Flemingsburg, Kentucky, we would love to see you. Camping, food, fellowship, like I said, tons of stuff for kids. Uh, they're working on like survival things for kids. Super cool. Um, maybe some survival events for adults too. All right. I love you guys. God loves you. Let's take our nation back. Let's remove these giants. Let's get back to the foundation. Um, if you want to send me any messages, if you guys, guys have ideas, uh, we're in this as a team, okay? But this, I was re I've been reading Deuteronomy, and the Lord struck me. He's like, you can take down the giants. This is the secret sauce. This is the secret code. The Ten Commandments, the Bible, the Word of God, um, applying them in our everyday lives, applying them to our, our moral and civil code of our own, our own lives, understanding that this is a Christian nation, understanding that our founders used the Bible as their main textbook, and we've got to remove um, our, our kids from the public school and train them from the time they're little kids to read the Bible, to love God, to, to, to love each other. And that's how we have a good society. I guarantee you all these poor kids uh, stealing things, um, we make fun of them. We laugh at them. Um, these inner city kids born into these uh, stores and just stealing things. 
Well, I feel sorry for them because that means they didn't have a mom and dad who loved them. Think about that. And they don't have a nation that loves them because God is love. And when you love a child, you will teach them the word of God when you love a kid. And a kid without love and a kid without boundaries, as we know with like Pinocchio, is a kid that's actually being abused. So yeah, they're going to go out and abuse other people. So in reality, we, are, we have a whole <clears throat> generation of young people and children that need to be loved, that need to be cared for. And we need to do it. So, Father God, I just lift up all these kids and all these young people and even most of us who are not trained according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't necessarily know the word inside and out. I pray that you help us to be trained and, and make the Bible our main textbook. That we can learn science through you and astronomy through you and, and, and English and history through you. <clears throat> and I pray that you teach us the things that we need to know to get our government back on track to take these giants down. Lord God, it doesn't matter if you say by many. It doesn't matter if you say by few. But it, it does matter if we honor you first. And we put you first. And we don't have idols in our lives. And we follow your basic instructions. Basic instructions. These are simple. These are easy to do when we know you. So we love you. We worship you. You are the true God. You are the King Kings. You are the Lord Lords. I thank you for sending your son Jesus. We repent, Father God, of anything that we've done, known or unknown, sins that we've... Um, done in our hearts to other people we repent as a nation we repent as a people and we ask you lord god to teach us it's not enough just to keep repenting we've got to we got to fill it with the word so help us father god to get into this this instruction manual this life-giving word you've given us help us to honor it and, and feel like it's precious these are your words these are your instructions on how to stop evil and reward good we thank you for it we worship you jesus in jesus name all right i love you guys i hope you have a great and awesome day